Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast and uh, have an update for you, everyone. Uh, our book, my book, my first book, On Purpose, With Purpose, Live Your Best Life is going to be coming out soon. And I want everybody here to be part of this. Uh, we got some really cool things for planned for everybody. So if you just go to beyondinfluence.com forward slash book, you're going to be able to uh, get all the information you need and be part of the team And as we launch. And, and speaking of launching, as we head into this new year, Oz Hillman, my good friend, welcome to the podcast. John, always good to see you and uh, great to start the new year together here. You know, it's so great. Uh, folks, if you're not familiar with Oz for some reason, you need to be, first of all. Oz started Marketplace Leaders. It's an organization to really help men and women. And in your book, The Joseph Calling and Others have been so helpful to me in my journey to really fulfill God's calling through their work, have a greater influence on culture. Who thinks we need to have a greater influence on <laughs> culture right now as believers? And let me ask you a question, just depending on when you listen to this, just with everything going on in the world right now, it might feel, it might seem like we've lost our influence as believers. And we have, I think, but God has not. That is the good news. And the question is, how do we really join together with God, understand what he's doing so we can truly partner with him and not in just going to church on Sunday, but in everything that we do, all day long, because the marketplace is one of the most powerful places for us to be a witness uh, to Christ. So with that, as you recently, you've been working on this for a while, it's perfect timing, a book, and it's called The 31 Decrees of Blessing for Your Work Life. And uh, first of all, how did this book even form? Like, uh, you know, I don't know if a lot of people know what 31, what a decree is, first of all. So, um, you know, I think of a big pronouncement, trumpets, you know, somebody. Uh, but what was the genesis behind this one? Well, over the years, I have recognized that there's so much great power in the word of God and the spoken word of God. And there are many examples in the scripture where God brought people to speak to situations with their words. And that would be an example of a decree over something. For instance, Moses, God told Moses to strike the rock, but then he changed the rules and said, speak to the rock to get water for the people. And um, we saw Joshua walk around the city of Jericho and shout at the walls to come down. We saw um, Jesus speak to Lazarus, come out. We, so there's a lot of examples in the Bible where, you know, not just following your faith, but actually using your words to speak and proclaim something. And I find that was a kind of a missing ingredient for believers in the workplace to realize this is part of your tool belt mm. that if you're not using it, it's uh, you're missing out. And so I wrote a lot of stories about people who utilized 
decreeing something over a workplace situation and the incredible outcome that happened from that. So the book is divided into three parts where we share a story. It's 31 days, share a story about some type of decreeing situation. And then we give 10 statements to decree over that particular kind of theme of that day. And they're all based on scripture and we provide the scriptures for that. And then we have a, a brief activation paragraph just challenging you to how you're going to apply that in your own life. So it's a very practical book, but very focused in scripture and uh, application to work. So, you know, what is a, a decree, Oz? Like, how do you define that? Because like in the book, it says, I decree that, and, and these statements make a ton of sense, but I'm just curious. Yeah, well, the, a decree, in fact, uh, Job twenty two twenty eight says, you will also declare a thing, and it will be established for you, so light will shine on your ways. Uh, in another version, it says, I will decree a thing. So it's really making a proclamation with words and using the authority that God gives you to do that. You know, we see the word decree used in the legal profession, that mm -hmm. there is a decree that's been provided by the court, you know, that's going to be in, executed. And so in the spiritual realm, that's what we're doing. So, you know, as we do these decrees, we understand the kind of the decrees and the activation. What will you, as people do that, what do you think that, what does that do for them? What was missing that you wanted to write this book for to kind of fill in that, that gap? Well, let me answer that by telling one of the stories in the book. Yeah. When Pamela and I were engaged to be married in 2015, she had five dogs and uh, she was renting. We were looking for a house for her to rent before we actually got married. And so we were hunting all over North Atlanta for a house and finally found a house that we thought would work and would accept the five dogs. And we put a contract on it. And the guy who was a management company, actually was a former client of mine. And uh, he called me back and he says, I'm sorry, but there's a contract already on the house. And it's an ample executive and his uh, finances are good. He's already checked out. And that's usually the only thing that would disqualify somebody. You're going to have to look for another place. And so I called Pamela. We were supposed to go over to the house that day at two o'clock to uh, just look at it again. And I said, well, honey, it looks like uh, this one's out. And she says, no, that's our house. That's our house. I said, well, honey, did you hear what I just said? She says, yeah, I heard what you said, but it's our house. Let's go out there and pray over it. And so we went out to the house and we did what Joshua did. We walked around the house and said, in the name of Jesus, we cancel this contract because we believe this house is for us. And so we felt a little strange, but we did it anyway. And, and anyway, that afternoon, about three o'clock, my, my management company called me and said, I, 
I have no idea what happened to this contract. It should have gone through, but for some reason it's fell through and it's yours if you want it. <laughs> and I had to repent of my, to my wife or future wife that I didn't have faith. And, you know, that's just one example. Probably my favorite example is of Gunnar Olson, which I share this video for, I've shared it for 20 years mm -hmm. whenever I teach. And it's a story about, uh, the, he's the founder of the International Christian Chamber of Commerce. And he um, had a business, it was a plastics business where they made these huge plastic bags that go over bales, these rolled bales that you see at harvest time in the grass fields uh, for hay. And uh, so it was harvest season and they had a thousand pallets that were ready to ship to various farms around Europe. And anyway, for some reason, some of the employees started inspecting the bags and found that the bags had actually sealed instead of retained it as a actual bag and it become one sheet of plastic and they brought huh. the uh, inspectors in to inspect it and said there's been some type of molecular breakdown in the bag i'm sorry to tell you that you just have a bunch of trash on your floor of a thousand pallets and so this was enough to put them out of business and and so he it was uh like i think friday that he learned about this he went home and shared it with his wife and two young children. And uh, his children said, well, I don't think this is from God. His wife said, I don't think this is from God either. And if God can turn water into wine, what are plastics? And then Gunnar felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to him that God was leading them to take a stand spiritually against what had happened even though it already happened. And so they didn't go out to the plant until Sunday night and they looked at it and he, he sort of jokingly says, I'm glad I didn't go out until Sunday night <laughs> to see that massive sight of quote trash. And so anyway, he stood outside of his building and proclaimed that that business was his, the Lord's business. And the devil had no right to destroy it. And they prayed in Jesus' name that God would restore the bags to their original state. And so that Monday morning, they went through the whole plant and laid hands on the, all those pallets of the bags. The next morning, the employees went around the plant and looked at the bags again. And to their shock, they had been restored. And the inspectors who originally inspected the problem came back to validate that this was a true miracle. And that miracle spread all over Europe. And so, you know, those are an example of what I'm talking about in the practical sense of our working life that once we get a roadblock, we don't just call the insurance company, but we might want to ask God, God, how might you want to solve this problem with us well you know a i love stories and the stories that you share and and like in the one about um 
like, I think some of these are so powerful for us in the chapter. This is on day seven about speaking words of life. And what I've noticed, it's been interesting. I've noticed recently, Oz, and I shared this with my Pinnacle Forum. I'm in a forum every morning. Just some of the language, some of the words that have kind of uh, creeped into our how we're communicating. You know, like uh, if, or I hope, or I'm stressed, or, you know, the pressure and weight of a decision. These are all words that to me, just listening says, you know what, you're not approaching this in full partnership with the father with just open hands and trusting. And it's these themes that come up over and over. And I think if we listen to our words, and I, I have a friend of mine who's dealing with a really challenging spiritual situation. And I was brought to the verse, I don't have it pulled up, but when the disciples tried to cast out a demon and they came back to Jesus and said, hey, we tried to cast out a demon, we couldn't do it. And he admonished them and said, if you only had the faith the size of a mustard seed, we all know that part right? You could move this mountain. What preceded that comment was, is that they were out doing these things. And so these things that we're decreeing, they're all in the, and help me understand this, right? They're all in the will of God, but there's also promises God has given us that he wants us to just hold on to with the words that we use, because he has given us that authority, like what you said here, right? Uh, what I love this, right? My tongue has the power of life and death. I will eat the fruit of my words, which will give life and not death. And that is such a powerful reminder that actually what we say is either connecting us to God, his nature and his promises, or driving a wedge. But what I'd love to know your thoughts on that and how to explain like what Gunner did and what happened when Pamela and you prayed and what that looks like practically in the rest of our lives as we're out there. Well, the um, devotional you took that from is a devotional that I wrote about Ted Turner and uh, Ted Turner grew up with a father that would often use words of shame and uh, negative words say you'll never amount to anything and you're lazy or you know just negative all the time and so Turner grew up with those words in his head and there's two ways people can respond to that they can become defeated people or they can actually take it as a challenge and try to prove those words are not true and that's actually what he did he worked became a huge workaholic and underlying that was a motivation to prove his father wrong. Mm. And so words have such a powerful influence on our being. And I, I tell, I write about this in one devotional for parents. I say, look, you got to be careful with your words that you speak over your children, you know, and it takes a lot of positive words to overcome one negative words, you know, and so when, if you grow up and you are told one thing that's negative, that's going to have an impact on that child. So you want to really affirm your children. You want to affirm your staff, your employees, the people that work with you. There are times we all have to have correction. 
but you have to do it with grace and support the individual while you do that. And so the power of words. Also, I think that uh, we innocently sometimes proclaim things innocently, but not realizing that those words are going out into the air and they're doing something. Like if you say, oh, I'm getting sick. Well, Mm -hmm. you don't want to say that. (laughs) You say, oh, you might not be feeling well, but you don't want to just put that out in the air, you know, to it's because that's like a faith, words of faith in a negative way. Or, you know, say something like, I am so not good at that. Or, you know, she always does that. You know, those kinds of negative things go out in the air and they just, they do have an effect. That's true. But if you say this, right? Well, like in marriage, you should never use the words always or never. Right. It, it's, <laughs> but think about that, right? If you've been working hard, maybe may getting something better. And then somebody says, man, you always mess that up. Well, well, there was a few times that I didn't mess it up. So I guess you didn't notice or you didn't care. I guess maybe I was wrong. And you know what we're talking about here, though, I think, and this is something I've had to work hard on, is all these things that have happened to me in my life, the way that I interpreted them, the stories I told myself about what happened started to form my identity. And what I found was, as I really worked in this area, that identity was not, the person I saw in the mirror was very different than the person who not only Jesus created, but that he looked at, that he sees when he looks down at me. And it was the process of actually rooting out some of this stuff. Like I was like, like, man, words can destroy us versus physical. I was getting out of the Navy. I was getting, um, I had a really good job and I decided to start my own business while a family member got up in my face and told me I could never be an entrepreneur. You'll fail. You're putting your family at risk. Well, what happened was, is I moved forward to be an entrepreneur and I did everything kind of like Turner did to prove that person wrong and in succeeding because I was playing to prove her wrong versus playing to win and build a company. I made some bad decisions and damaged some relationships. I learned a lot, but it was painful. But I got to tell you, it took me a long time to actually root that out. And so, you know, being that person that is like you say in here, right? I'm only going to speak wholesome words that build up according to the needs that exist. What if our entire culture right now only did that? Yeah. Can you you imagine? Yeah. You know, um, one of the ways we kind of take this to the next level is in each chapter, we have 10 decrees. So in the chapter on the turn, you know, Ted Turner story about the power of your words, here are just a few of the decrees. My tongue has the power of life and death. I will eat the fruit of my words, which will give life, not death. My mouth speaks what my heart is full of, so I choose life and blessing. I will speak only wholesome words that build up according to the needs that exist. I will speak words that give life instead of empty words that will be judged. So, you know, these are the uh, decrees which if you think about doing that every day when you get up in the morning, it's going to change your attitude on how you approach your day and how you approach other people. 
Well, true. And, and like, and the next chapter, and maybe you can tell the story here about William Wilberforce. It's all about speaking peace and unity to your team because, well, let me ask you this too. The focus with what you put together in these 31 days is designed to actually help us bring our faith even more fully and completely out into the company, our organization where we work. It doesn't mean that we work at a church. You could use this every day. You know, if you were working at, uh, you know, Microsoft or, you know, a place like that, that's not really known as a Christian culture. But let's share an example because we talked about individual, but let's just say we're, you know, for our folks out there that are leading a team, they're a manager, they're the CEO. This is stuff that's really important. So could you share a little bit about the team piece? Yeah, well, I write a story about William Wilberforce, who was probably the, one of the greatest leadership stories of all time, in which he, you know, he was born into English aristocracy in 1759 and became a Christian at age 28. And the guy who wrote Amazing Grace, John Newton, was very instrumental in that and became his mentor. And uh, he said to his mentor, well, I, I, if I'm this passionate about God, I must be supposed to be a priest. And Newton says, absolutely not. You're called to politics. And so he challenged him to stay in politics. He did. And over the next 30 years, he worked toward abolishment of slavery in England, which was achieved. But it was really achieved by the relationship he had with about 18 other individuals that came to be known as the Clapham Group. And they were people that were all uh, leaders at, at some level. Some were uh, wealthy, some were landowners, some were artisans, you know, different aspects of society. But they came together because they saw social ills going on in the nation that needed to be addressed. And they used their time, talent, and treasure to affect those. And so uh, Wilberforce was a catalyst for that. And so we talk about, you know, what it means to affirm a team. Some of the decrees in that chapter are, are I will make sure my team understands our vision and the purpose of our mission. I will be a humble team player and share my time, talent, and treasure to allow God to use me for his purposes. And it goes on. But you and I are on a uh, something that I equate to the Clapham group, where we pull together leaders within each of the seven spheres to really accomplish something similar that Wilberforce is accomplishing in his nation. Mm -hmm. And it's such a time as this that could not be a better time for us to be initiating something like that. No, I agree with you. Awakening project. Yeah, the Great Awakening Project is, uh, I'm going to get Fred on here and talk about the Great Awakening Project. But you know what? This is part of that. What you're doing here is equipping. So let me ask you this. Uh, let's say that I, I went in here and I did this every day with my team. I did it myself as a leader. I did it with my team member or members of the team that are appropriate, right? Uh, however, your thoughts on that? As you wrote this book, what was God kind of putting on your heart? Like, you know what, if everybody did this, followed these 31 decrees, even repeated it, what would we gain from doing that? 
Well, I think we'd have a better working environment for sure. I think we would have people that are thinking a little more activation in their prayer life and their using the word of God in a way that they may not have used before. Because I think there's just the average Christian doesn't think this way. They don't use the word of God mm. in a way that's actually proactive and to cause a miracle in their life. You know, we sort of are very passive in that way for the most part. So to me, this is an activation of an area of their life that probably has never been activated. Yeah, I love, I mean, it's such the in the the language here is so powerful. Just reminding yourself that you know what God will instruct me in the way I should go, and if I, as I read that, I say today, right? Because when I start dwelling on the past, oftentimes there can be a regret. What if I made this decision? What if I did this? What if I'd done this differently? You know what? We're here because so you have that, and then the future. When you started looking, you know, really, I think, future-focused, especially with the light, the amount of ambiguity and uncertainty and strife in the world today, all of a sudden, I think that is a place where we start to expose ourselves to significant um, overwhelm, burnout, and stress. But we, when we can really trust God right now in the present and, and say words like this, that God will, and all this is based on Scripture. That's the most powerful thing about this house, right? God will right. instruct me in the way I should go today. I shall fulfill every purpose for which God created me. God teaches me to profit and leads me in the way I should go. And I like the next one too, right? God, and this is a great reminder, God is the source of all my blessings and all my ability to create wealth. So I will not become proud by forgetting the source of my success. So what it's doing every day is, is speaking words that are true, that are from Scripture, and that what they're doing is how, because God's not changing, right? And what we want to do is constantly be nudging ourselves and changing and transforming and getting more in alignment to and with Him. And if we can do that, uh, go ahead. No, I, I agree. And, you know, it just reminded me how, Jesus modeled this so well in his own ministry. You know, he was walking with the disciples and came across a fig tree that was not bearing fruit. And he cursed the fig tree. And the disciples took note of that. And they said, Yeah, they did. Because it, when they came back through, it was dead, you know. So Jesus was saying, you know, that you've got to be bearing fruit. If you're not bearing fruit, then uh, what? Uh, what good are you you know and jesus also spoke into the lives of people in a way that was very demonstrative uh when he spoke to lazarus he says lazarus come forth he didn't say if it be your will father would you send lazarus out <laughs> jesus always spoke to the demon he said come out of him you know, he used very demonstrative words. He was a, a man. He spoke with authority. And I think he spoke with authority. So do we have that same authority, Oz? 
Absolutely. In uh, Matthew, he tells us that we have the keys of the kingdom to bind on earth and bind in heaven and loose on earth and loose in heaven. He said, you're going to have greater power than even me to do these things because the Holy Spirit's come upon you and you are uh, my delegated authority on earth to do these things until I return. So I'm handing you the keys until I come back and you are to bring heaven on earth. That's what the Lord's prayer is all about. You are to manifest the word of God onto earth every day. Uh, you're the instrument for that. And your words are part of that to proclaim and to create those things. That doesn't make us a genie, you know, in a bottle. You know, we, we don't just run around decreeing things. We're led by the Holy Spirit to do things as he leads us to do things. Exactly. And. Well, it's, you know, people get this book, right? And there's 31 decrees and they cover some phenomenal topics. You know, we're really focused on folks that are out in the marketplace. So what would you imagine or what advice would you give those listening on how to use this book? Right. Do we go through it once? Do we go through it multiple times? Do we get together once a week? What do we get together daily? What, what would be your advice? Well, my wife and I go through it daily. We read through it each day and discuss it. And then, you know, we go through the decrees together. So after 31 days, you just go through it again because, um, you know, it can only help imprint on your mind, you know, your word, the, what's the word saying and how to decree the word daily. So it's uh, just not a once, you know, one one month and throw it away uh you may not necessarily need to read the stories again each day but you can go to the decrees for that day read the scripture verse and the decrees for that day because that's you want to get that in your spirit mm -hmm. and part of the way you see life the way you speak life the way you communicate to other people yeah, I'm also envisioning, too, is, you know, going through the, the decrees and then reading the scripture. And one of the things that uh, one of my habits is to take my journal and abide. Right. How do I really abide in the Lord? And for me, what it looks like is I really read through a big section of scripture and and look at some of the words that are in there. And I just wait and see what the Holy Spirit kind of says to me. And I and start looking at in a Bible, like what other verses are linked to that? What was the original Greek? Like what's God really trying to, there's a reason that he had me park on this. What's he really trying to teach me here? And I think if we even take some time and not just do the decrees, but also say, hey, what's behind it? So I really understand, yeah, this is, this is God speaking to John, right? This is God speaking to Mary, whoever's out there. But I also think there's a reason I really feel in my heart, Oz, that, that with everything happening right now, even though I don't know what it might feel like to people individually, here's what my heart tells me, is that God is moving right now big time. World events are, did it, you know, everybody out there, I want you to know that, um, did it ever occur to you that nothing occurs to God? <laughs> everything happening right now is moving things, moving pieces on the chessboard, toward his plans, his purpose, his authority, his victory. 
I don't know when that is. I mean, well, he's already won, but like from our perspective. And as we and our our relationships, people in our company, our team, our family can understand the scripture, these decrees, God's promises, our own authority that he has given us, not that we take, but he's given us. You know what? Just the more and the more effective I think we'll be in joining God and what he is already doing. And there's been a shift, and I've shared this on the podcast for for me. I no longer pray, God, what is your will for my life? Like, what should I be doing? My prayer is, God, reveal to me your will and what you're doing in the world or in the life of Oz and Pamela or in the life of this, you know, sick, you know, one of my, I have, you know, some good friends of mine, their children are really unhealthy. One just had a heart transplant and, and is not recovering well. And what is your will in their lives? And what do I need to do to join them? Right. And what this does, it shows you how to do that. How do I lead my company? How do I make decisions? How do I think about strategy? How do I think about hiring people? How do I think about changing my culture? All of that. How do I do run my finances and pay my vendors? Folks out there, everything that we do is an action that reflects on Jesus and gives us the authority to be an effective ambassador or somebody that's easy to dismiss. Yeah, you know, John, as you're talking, um, this book would be a great book for those kingdom entrepreneurs who have a team of leaders to be able to go through that book together. Just think about the power of mm -hmm. getting your team activated in how they speak and how they encounter problems in their work situation. This helps a team to kind of recalibrate how they look at things. And um, so it's a great tool for a, a team of people as well. I agree. Well, as we wrap up, Oz, how do we find the book? We have a website set up just for this book, 31decrees.com, 31decrees, D-E-C-R-E-E-S.com. And uh, they can access a webinar there um, that uh, leads them to actually to a course if they want to take it um, that really drills down in the concepts of the book. But if they just want the book, they can get it off of there as well. That's 31decrees.com. Perfect. And the, the, uh, everybody out there can always connect to Oz at marketplaceleaders.org. You also have a devotional today. God is first. The emails I get from you, I read them. They're some of the few because I get a lot of emails, Oz. But yours are, uh, there's always something in there that I get. So I've never unsubscribed after years and years and years because I appreciate the fact that you actually, you put out content I want to read. But just as we wrap up, Oz, on this topic, just any final thoughts for everybody? I just say that uh, what the psalmist says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And the word of God, you know, God proclaimed the oceans with his word. In Genesis, he talks about, you know, how things were established by his word. There is such power in the word of God. There's power in the spoken word of God. And to recognize it and to embrace it and walk in that will be a great blessing to you to uh, as you add that to your toolbox 
That's awesome. Oz, thank you for all that you do. Uh, give my love to Pamela, and I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you, John. God bless.